This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're preparing our way into episode number 46. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen. Today we're going to go over some general birth preparation questions as we continue our series on questions that I've gotten about pregnancy and birth topics. Just like with the previous two episodes that I did on Q&A, which were on pregnancy, diet, and exercise, there tends to be a lot of overlap in the questions that I get. You as mamas have a lot of the same concerns between each other. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time going over two of the top concerns that I hear, and then we'll cover a few more, hopefully. So the first one that I get, and I get variations of, of different or, you know, different variations of the same question. But one mom says, so what can I do to prepare and create a culture of feeling present and connected during this time of pregnancy and delivery? And then another mom says, delivery of my daughter felt very uncontrolled and less than ideal. So a lot of moms, they they get that feeling that They may have been really present throughout pregnancy or they had a great pregnancy and then they get to birth and for some reason things feel like they spiral out of control or they feel like they're bullied into things or they just feel like it was way more overwhelming than they were expecting it to be. And I, like I said, I think that's really common. And so this is something that where a lot of women come from, they want to feel confident and they want to feel in control of birth. And that's, it's, it's a little bit hard to talk about because in a sense, you do want to let go during birth and maybe that scares you. I think that scares a lot of women. I understand completely because I'm a very organized, in control, on top of things kind of gal. And when I feel like I'm not in control of a situation, it's uncomfortable for me. And when we think about birth, maybe we think that inherently there's no control and that's uncomfortable for you. But in a sense, you do want to let go during birth and let birth happen the way that it's supposed to. But in another very real sense, you don't want to feel like you're out of control. And and I think that those are two really different things, which it's important to establish, <clears throat> excuse me, to begin with. So when you feel out of control in birth, you may feel overpowered by the intensity of it or the perhaps the pain, if you want to put it that way. And that's actually going to be the next question that I address. So I'm not going to dive into that. But I think a lot of the out of control comes from the intensity and then the expectations that are all around you of birth and the things that are forced upon you, either decisions or procedures or interventions or that sort of thing. And it just all ends up becoming fairly overwhelming to you. And that's fundamentally different. That or those sources of overwhelm are fundamentally different different than 
what you want to do if you let go during birth. So it sounds like there may be a conflict, but I think that when you analyze it, there's no conflict. So what I recommend for any mom to feel like she's confident and in control during birth is to prepare for birth consciously. And I almost considered doing the intro to this podcast as saying, you know, we're going consciously into episode number 46, but I decided against it at the last minute because I also think that prepared is good. But you you essentially want to consciously prepare. So prepared is what I ended up using for the little intro segment. But when you really and truly prepare for birth and you go into birth with another analogy that I like to use as a toolbox or a tool bag, and maybe that's not really very good because it sounds kind of, I guess, male, But I was a tomboy growing up, so getting a toolkit for me was a really exciting thing. So that's always how I've thought about it. Um, But, you know, you could think about it like, you know, you just have an endless bag of tricks, so to speak. And, And they're not gimmicks in the sense of tricks being gimmicks, but they're literally techniques and things that you can use. And so knowledge is part of that. I don't want to minimize that. I do think that many moms have a lot of knowledge of birth. So they understand on a head and an intellectual level that this is what's going to happen. And these are the stages of birth. And this is what my uterus is doing. And this is what a contraction is. And this is what a cervix is. And this is what a cervix does. But that intellectual knowledge and, and also just it can even go farther. It could be that women's bodies work. Women's bodies are designed to birth. Women know how to give birth. Women have given birth for generations. And natural birth is best for my baby. And so they have that knowledge. But that's all very surface knowledge. And I think it's essential. I think that as women, we need to be educated consumers. And as families, I mean, our husbands need to be educated too. We as families, as partners, as a society, we need to be knowledgeable about birth from the technical aspects of these are the quote-unquote stages of labor in a textbook. And we also need to understand that it may not proceed this way. I did an article just recently about how to handle a long labor. And I talked about how those textbook stages of labor, all those neat little things that you see on the charts in your pregnancy guidebook, or if you go to the hospital classes or or really any classes on birth, they, they explain it in the terms of the stages of labor, because that's something we can wrap our heads around. But as I talk about in my article, which I'll link to in the show notes on handling a long labor, the I mean, the truth is, is in research studies on this, the stages of labor were found to vary widely between women. There is no real standardization. The textbook woman doesn't really exist. Just like you probably already know that the textbook woman, as far as menstrual cycles go, doesn't really exist. That imaginary woman who always has a 28-day cycle and always ovulates on day 14 and always has a four-day period or whatever, you know she doesn't exist. She's there for teaching purposes. But real women have real bodies and work in really different ways. And it's the same in birth. So It's good to have that technical foundation for how we talk about birth. And it's good to have that knowledge to begin to wrap your head around it. But it... You need to go beyond that. So again, it begins with being prepared. 
with knowledge. So it begins by having that knowledge and just that practical, technological how to this or how is this going to work. But then it goes beyond. So you can't just have that knowledge, be it the knowledge of the stages of labor or be it the knowledge that birth is natural. And maybe somewhere in some imaginary society or in some culture way in the far distant past where a strong belief in the ability of women's bodies. I mean, I do think that those cultures exist, but I also think that the way that we always say, you know, back in the past and the tribal cultures and everything, I mean, that's that's romanticizing somewhat because there have always been cultures that have had fears about childbirth. So women who grew up in a culture that didn't have fear about childbirth were very lucky. But even throughout time, there's been that fear. And our time has a huge benefit Because we can truly see on a global level and because with many midwives attending and even many families choosing family births, we can see the actual physiological process of birth and how it's supposed to happen. And there are some pioneers who have really worked to bring that to the forefront. Sarah Buckley, Michelle O'Dent are just two names that come to the top of my mind, but there are so many. I mean, even I'm sitting here recording for you while standing on the shoulders of giants and giantesses. But, I mean, so we we have a nice research-oriented point of view that birth works. And so that gives us a distinct advantage from a knowledge perspective. But let's move on from the knowledge. So you have the knowledge, but I think, and what I've been trying to say is that A woman who has all this knowledge doesn't necessarily guarantee herself a good birth, or it doesn't mean that birth is going to go super smoothly just because she has the knowledge of how birth works, or just because she has the knowledge that her body was designed to do this. It takes practical skill, too. I often use sports analogies, and so a woman knows that her body has the ability to run a marathon, but she's probably not going to get up one Saturday morning and just go run the marathon. She's going to look up information on, you know, the body can run a marathon and this is what the human body can do. But she's also going to look up information on how do I prepare for that marathon? What do I need to do every day to make sure that I can run this marathon in 12 weeks or that I can run this marathon in four months? Or she's going to call up a girlfriend and say, look, you ran a marathon. What did you do to get ready? How did that feel? How was What was that experience like for you? What do you think helped the most? What do you think hurt the most? She's not going to get up and just do it. And so birth is, birth is, a, is an athletic event. It's a physical event. It's a big deal. It takes some stamina and endurance, not for an endless amount of time, but for a little bit of time. And It's something unknown. And even though our bodies were designed to do it and are able to do it, preparing our bodies practically really makes it a lot easier to go into birth and feel in control. And also what I tell the moms in my classes and my mama baby birthing classes is that when you do the preparation, and that's knowledge work, and that's physical preparation, learning positions, learning techniques, understanding your breathing, and I don't teach hyperventilating (laughs) kind of breathing that you saw back in the old days, but understanding your breathing is important. I mean, there are so many different practical skills that you can gain during pregnancy, an understanding of tension and relaxation, an understanding of tension and relaxation in the muscles that your baby is coming through, 
understanding what your baby is doing during birth and that you're working with your baby during birth. We're going to talk more about that in a minute too. But all of those things are things that you can do to prepare for your baby's birth on a practical level. And then all of those things are tools that you can use on your birthing day. And getting back to what I tell my childbirth education students is I tell them that when you've done all this preparation and this practical work during your pregnancy, when it comes time to have your baby, you can sit back and let birth do the work. So you can let go and these things, all these things that you've worked on, many of them every single day throughout the last weeks of your pregnancy, even if it's not, okay, I'm going to sit here and do birth preparation practice for an hour. Much of it is just being aware and conscious of your body throughout the day and maybe taking a few minutes to practice here and there or do another technique here, you know, it's but it's not constant or anything, but you're still doing it throughout the last weeks of your pregnancy. And all of that is there, all of that knowledge, all of that collective wisdom, because it's wisdom that's come from other mothers and other families who have birthed before you. All of that is there for you in the back of your mind. And so you're able to let go and all of that becomes part of your instinct. It becomes part of who you are as a birthing woman. It becomes part of your power as a birthing woman. And then you also, you still have all that knowledge and everything if you need it to be able to to dialogue or discuss interventions and things. But most of all, you have those tools to work with your birth and to work with your baby. And that is that is what takes away that overwhelm and that I'm not sure what I can I can do. This is uncontrolled. I feel like I'm spiraling out of control. I can't handle things because you have all these tools. And I'll also say that I think a good birth per- partner is very helpful for this because they also come to understand all these things with you as you're going through your pregnancy. They, you know, they're not in your body, but they review lessons with you or techniques with you or breathing with you consistently over the last few weeks of pregnancy. And then when you're birthing and when you're in labor land, which is where you want to be, labor land is an actual physical state caused by the hormone beta endorphin and you want it during your birthing time. But, you know, when you're there and when you're in your groove and you don't want to mess with a care provider or maybe a contraction is particularly intense and it feels overwhelming to you, they're able to come in and help you too. So that's another option that's outside of yourself. And I would definitely recommend it, whether it's your husband or your mom or your sister or your best buddy or a doula that you've hired. Work with her or him and make sure that you can... That you both have a common language. The Pink Kit talks about that. Having a common language and understanding. And then there'll be a resource for you during your birthing time. Okay, as I hinted already, the next set of questions that I got all tend to center around pain. So my question would be about pain management during labor. I'm really afraid this time because I do not want to have the same immensely intense pain. And that mom, that particular mom had an induction. Um then even though I've gone through birth, I still feel labor pain. Can something help ease that? I would like to have a natural birth again, but my last one was so painful I almost passed out. He was large and in a bad position. How do I avoid avoid that? And then how do you work through the fear of not being able to do that? Do it and keep the pain in check. 
So the questions just go on and on and on about the pain of birth. And I guess it's hard to say because it sounds dismissive, but I don't think that the focus of birth should be the pain. Now, I don't want to dismiss the pain because some women experience a lot of pain during birth. But the focus of birth is not the pain. So the focus of medical childbirth is the pain because the point of having a medical childbirth, when I say medical, I mean you've got pain medications and things on board, is to remove the pain from the equation. The point of having a birth where you go get an epidural is to be able to give birth without experiencing that pain. And so the point of birth becomes pain removal. But one thing that we're fond of saying, those of us who have chosen to have a natural childbirth, is that we're not martyrs. And I don't think that we are. I don't think that you are. I don't think that I am. But at the same time, we act like martyrs because we say, okay, Natural childbirth is best and I'm going to do this for my baby, but okay, give me a list of the natural pain relief techniques. And I actually have a list of natural pain relief techniques if you want it. But I hope that you can understand what I'm saying. When all you do is focus on the natural pain relief techniques, you are essentially acting the place of a martyr because you're saying, how do I get through the suffering in order to get to my baby? And I know that's not what you want to do and that's not what I want to do. So what is a a different option? What can we focus on instead? And again, because I teach childbirth classes, this is what I talk to my students about in my mama baby birthing classes. And what I really encourage them to focus on is the baby. I sometimes get flack for that because they'll say, well, you know, that's all that the obstetricians are worried about. They'll do anything and then they'll say you have a healthy baby, so you should be happy because that's what the end result is. And that's not where I'm coming from. So I'm not saying that it doesn't matter what happens. All you need to focus on is the fact that you have a healthy baby. So I'm not saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter if you have a horribly torturous labor because you got your healthy baby. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that your baby is your focus during labor. I did a podcast, oh, it's been several weeks ago now, but on baby's experience of childbirth. And I'll link to that one in the show notes too. But your baby's experience of birth is that your baby is an active participant during the birth. We sometimes, I think, think, you know, that this little person who looks like a watermelon or a basketball inside of us when they're in our belly, you know, we think that we're pushing that watermelon or that basketball out. We forget that we're pushing a human being out and that human being is living and alive and reacts to us and reacts to the birth process and baby is biologically programmed to do certain things during the birth process. And I won't stay on this too long because that entire podcast does cover it in detail. But your baby is doing a lot to work with you during your birth. So what you can focus on is how do I work with my baby? So the result of that is that if I'm feeling pain, my my desire is not to escape from that pain. My desire is to think about, okay, what is my baby trying to do? So back labor is a super easy example. Um, If I'm feeling pain in my back, it probably means my baby is posterior, which is not the ideal position for birth. And so maybe my baby is trying to turn. And what can I do 
to give my baby the room that he or she needs to turn or to help him or her turn. So you may help by creating more room in your pelvis by picking a position that opens the top of your pelvis more, which is where baby's probably at uh, when he or she is trying to turn. Or you could try a technique like uh, using a rebozo shawl can help encourage a baby to turn. That's another specific technique for a posterior baby. But you're essentially working with your baby. So when you're feeling these sensations, you're remembering, my baby is working to be born. He's working to rotate and come down, or she's working to turn and move down through my bones. And that one thing, just that focus, is something that I've had students come back to me over and over and over again and say, this really helped, Kristen. I remembered what you said when I was in labor, and so I concentrated on my baby. I thought about how I was working with her, or I thought about what he and I were doing, and that really helped me get through it. So I challenge you to take the focus away from what can I do to remove this pain and put the focus on what can I do to help my baby. I do want to add in some caveats to that, that sometimes you feel pain in labor because you're not in an optimal environment or position or place. And if that's the case, you should certainly address that. So if you're in the hospital and they've got you hooked up to a continuous fetal monitor and you're stuck in the bed and these contractions are killer, there's a chance that if you were able to say, okay, I want intermittent monitoring, which is scientifically shown to be just as safe, if not superior, to continuous monitoring, which has been shown to be not only ineffective but possibly harmful to low-risk mamas going through pregnancy and birth. But, you know, you say, I'm going to be intermittently monitored every 20 minutes or every half an hour where you can come stick the Doppler on my baby and listen while I'm hanging off my husband's shoulders or while I'm sitting on my birth ball rotating my hips or while I'm on the toilet or while I'm in the shower. I mean, some midwives have waterproof ones or while I'm in the tub, you know, there's a good chance that just getting out of that position where you're stuck in bed with these belts and it's totally counterproductive to what your body's trying to do, that you will ease the pain and labor. And that there are other environmental factors like bringing the lights down low, shooing off all the students that are watching you, or whatever else is causing stress and problems like that. So actually addressing those factors... I don't, I don't really think of that as a focus on pain relief because what you're doing is focusing on getting your labor to where it's more like a natural, physiological, or undisturbed labor and where your body can do what it's supposed to do and where you're not so distracted by pain that's caused by something unnatural like the Pitocin that the one mom said or like bad positioning or like feeling like you're being watched by a hawk. Tell your mother-in-law and your sister and your mother and your aunt and your granny and everybody, look, you need to go wait in the waiting room for a little while. I mean, just get to where you're in a comfortable enough place to let birth do what it's supposed to do. So don't completely ignore pain because pain can have, I mean, it has a purpose in that it's bringing your baby down. But 
often pain in your birthing time may signify that you need to change positions or you need to do something to work with your baby or you or a, a support person needs to advocate for you to change an environmental condition. But in the end, don't focus just on what can I do to get more comfortable. Make that focus, what can I do to work with my baby? Because he or she is making efforts to be born just like I'm making efforts to give birth. All right, let me cover a, a couple. Those were the big questions. So let me cover some of the smaller questions. One that I got was, do you have a list of books and videos you recommend for preparing for natural birth? I, I actually have an entire page of Kristen's recommended YouTube videos in my natural birth classes, and I've mentioned those a few times. So it's if you go to mamababybirthing.com, that's M-A-M-A, babybirthing.com, all one word. That's where the information on my classes is. But I actually have an entire page where I put together YouTube videos because videos tend to kind of stick in your mind. I mean, they replay and they come up at weird times even years later, whereas stories kind of tend to fade away, just the written word. But um, but so I, I put together this page of YouTube videos just because they were really positive, nice, unhindered birth videos and um, because my mamas wanted some births to watch that weren't going to traumatize them. But I also think there there is a video, um, birthing or birth into being. It's done by the Russian midwives. That's a really good DVD to watch. Your midwife may have a copy of it, or you can order it. I can put a link to it in the show notes. So that's that's a video that I recommend. Orgasmic birth is also a pretty good one. The business of being born. That one's really good for that intellectual head knowledge. And uh, a lot of women have found that their opinions on where to birth and how to birth have been changed a lot by that video. But as far as books, the must-read book for you is going to be Sarah Buckley's Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering. It is just a fantastic book, and it really talks about how normal physiological natural birth works on a fundamental level, the hormones and everything that goes on, and it's just super empowering. And if you read no other book uh, on natural birth, then I would recommend that one. And then there are other great classics, uh, Ina May's books, Ina May's Guide to Childbirth and Spiritual Midwifery. Some women like those, some women don't. I've always liked the stories, even though as I've learned more and more, I sometimes feel like those midwives were very quote-unquote hands-on when perhaps they should have been more hands-off. But the stories by the moms still feel really inspiring to me. So I think that that one's a good book, too. And then, of course, I already mentioned my classes. So I think that that my classes are good, obviously, for helping you prepare for birth. And I have a full list. I should have brought the list up before I started the recording. But I have a full list for my students with recommended books and videos. But those are just some that come to the top of my mind. Again, definitely get gentle birth, gentle mothering. Okay, I get a lot about good positions for labor and delivery, and this one is specifically when you're birthing drug-free in the hospital. My biggest recommendation for hospital birth moms is first advocate for intermittent fetal monitoring because that lets you assume all the positions, <laughs> as naughty as that sounds. Um, but my biggest recommendation is to use a birth ball during pregnancy Get comfortable with being on your birth ball, with rotating your hips on your birth ball. 
and then take your birth ball to the hospital because it has a very small footprint, relatively speaking, and it's very effective at helping you mobilize your pelvis and really get in there, rock, um, spiral your hips, and just you can have the birth ball right beside the bed and then lean down on the bed between contractions to rest. It's, it's a tool that allows you to get an incredible amount of mobility in a very small space. So I recommend that for any mama who's thinking about birthing at the hospital. Other things to remember are make judicious use of your toilet. So labor on the toilet or standing in the shower. Again, you need to advocate for intermittent fetal monitoring. Another position that's beneficial for a lot of moms is if you find a low counter. So if there's a counter on your sink or if the sink is low enough in the bathroom or if there's a windowsill if you're in a room with a window and it's low, you know, it's at the right height where you can put your hands down slightly onto it and then you can really bear down on it while you spiral your hips or while you sway and a a labor support person somebody who your husband or somebody else who you can just hang on to and kind of let them support some of your weight while you're standing and rocking and swaying those are all good positions for the hospital And if you're at home, if you're birthing at home or at a birth center, those are also all really good suggestions. At home or at a birth center, you'll probably be more free to walk if you want to walk all around during your birthing time. And that could be an advantage. But once things are really intense, a lot of mamas tend to pick kind of one place or one position unless they realize baby needs them to move into another. And they stick with that one. So those are really good positions. And I... I, I recommend that you experiment with different positions, so squatting or runner's pose, which is essentially where you kind of have one knee down and one leg up. You're not in the exaggerated starting block position of a runner, but you've got one knee down and one leg up like that position. And that gives you a lot of, uh, it, it really opens the lower pelvis up for when baby's about to be born, but you're also very stable and grounded because your one knee is down. And it's, it's the position that I've given birth to my last three babies in. And so I really like that position for pushing. Um, and then hands and knees is a position that a lot of moms like. Moms who are getting really tired or who are having a long labor may find that side-lying lets them rest some, maybe with somebody to support the leg, the upper leg, depending on what position they're lying. So just take some time when you're pregnant to experiment with these positions and to feel which ones make my body feel the most open or which one makes me feel the most open at the top of my hips and then at the bottom. All those focuses are things that you want to know. And then you know good positions that may work well for you and for your body. One last question that I got that was a good one is, what can I do to ensure a safe and smooth home birth? That's a great question because I think that a lot of uh, think hey, well, it's going to be safe then it should be somewhere like the hospital and technology doesn't necessarily equal safety. But I won't go into that right now because that's another entire podcast episode. But I mean what the hospital offers is technology and that doesn't always ensure safety. So what do you do to ensure a safe birth? Well, first of all, during your pregnancy, you make sure you're well nourished. Go back again, listen to that diet podcast episode um, because really being well nourished means that your uterus can work the way that it's supposed to and that your body can 
provide all the nutrients. It prevents pregnancy complications. I released an article just today on preventing postpartum hemorrhage, and I'll link to that article because it actually covers those exact topics really in depth. Why does having a well-nourished mom create an incredible amount of safety for mom and baby? And it's so multifaceted that I wrote a over 2,000 word article on it. So anyways, you can read that, but be well nourished. I think honestly, that's the most important thing you can do during your pregnancy to prepare for a smooth and safe birth. And you need to truly be well nourished. You, you don't follow the advice of the pregnancy magazine, which says get an additional 300 calories. What does that mean? What if you're only eating a thousand calories a day pre-pregnancy? A woman who is pregnant needs like 2,300 to 2,600 calories a day. So if you're eating 1,000 or 1,500 or 1,800 calories a day and you add 300 extra, well, you're not hitting that target for a pregnant woman. And I, I don't, I could get off on a tangent about this, so I'm going to try and stop myself. Go back and listen to that podcast or check out the article that I read because really you need to, you, you need to eat nutrition that has been proven by research and by countless mothers to really work to create a healthy mom, a healthy baby, a healthy uterus, a healthy placenta, all of that stuff. And that's the most, the most important thing that you can do is eat the right way. And no, it's not any specific certain foods. It's getting specific nutrients from a food-based source. The next thing that you do is you really honor the hormones of birth because they are designed to direct birth, to direct the dance of birth, the symphony of birth, the pattern of birth in a way that creates safety for both mother and baby. And when you have birth in an undisturbed way and an environment that's conducive to safe birth, quiet, all of those good things, you allow the hormones of birth to do what they're supposed to do, which means that the uterus does what it's supposed to do. Baby is able to do what he or she is supposed to do. After baby's born, the uterus can just firm up quickly, cut off blood loss. Everything is much safer for mother and baby when those hormones are honored. And I did a podcast episode on undisturbed birth, which talks a lot about that. I'll link to that. The article that I wrote today on preventing postpartum hemorrhage talks a lot about that. I have a bunch of podcasts and articles that really talk about that. So I'll try and link to those because all of those are good resources for you to take in so that you just get a lot of good information on preparing your birthing space and um, making sure that you're on the right on the right page with your attendance and everything like that. And then, of course, being prepared for birthing yourself. So just like we talked about, by understanding the methods and techniques, taking a class like My Mama Baby Birthing Classes or maybe another class locally with a natural birth instructor, whatever works for you and your baby, and that also helps create safety. Just that preparation and preparation that helps to increase your trust and your ability to let birth work the way that it is supposed to work. Okay, we're moving up above the half hour mark, so I'm going to go ahead and stop there. I think I've covered a few questions that really touch on some of the main topics, and I'm going to link to a bunch of resources for you to help you explore these topics of safety and of working with birth and handling birth in even more detail. 
please remember to leave me a rating at iTunes or Stitcher if you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you could leave a review, that really helps move the podcast up in the rankings so that other mamas and daddies are able to find it and they're able to benefit from it too. And again, if you were interested in my classes, those are at www.mamababybirthing.com. That's M-A-M-A babybirthing.com. And if you want to sign up for my newsletter so that you get notified about new podcasts or get information on the Mama Baby Birthing classes, you can go to Trust Birth 101. That's number 101. TrustBirth101.com. And with that, I will talk to you next week where we will work on some more Q&A or maybe have a guest. I'm not quite sure what's going on yet, but we will see and I will look forward to it. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.